For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So in the reading of God's word, may he bless it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you've given us your word, and I pray that you would now allow us to submit ourselves to it, that you would open our ears and our hearts to receive it. Lord, give us hope, give us joy, equip us <clears throat> to live in the midst of the present age with hope and joy, and proclaiming the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I do not need to tell you that the day the Son of God was born as a man was a day of incalculable significance. It was, without a doubt, the most significant day in the history of creation. It was a day that God had set as the fullness of time. It was a day that He proclaimed and foretold by the mouths of the prophets and the people of God eagerly awaited. Because God had promised His kingdom, His eternal covenant, He had promised salvation and joy and peace. And on that day, the Son of God became the Son of Man. The Word of God, the very Word of God, took on flesh. The one who had been conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the young Jewish girl was born of her and yet without sin. The creator of all things entered into his creation. The one who had created in us after his own image took on flesh to become like us. That was a day that was worth celebrating. The angels of God, the heavenly host, celebrated in the fields near Bethlehem. And they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. The shepherds celebrated as they heard this news, as they rushed to meet the Christ child, and declared to his parents all that they had seen and heard. Mary and Joseph celebrated as they treasured all these things in their heart. They pondered them. And a week later, when they took him to the temple to in accordance with the law. Simeon and Anna celebrated in the temple as they saw the child and they saw the fulfillment of the things that they had been waiting for, the consolation of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem. The Magi celebrated as they saw his star and they traveled a long distance in order to see the one who had been born king of the Jews. And it was a day of significance because... We have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And as a result, generation upon generation of the church has celebrated this glorious day, this glorious event of the Son of God becoming a man. And yet, beloved, I tell you the truth, there is a day that is hastening on that will far eclipse in glory, 
day when that king that was born in Bethlehem will return again in glory. And he will consummate and fulfill each and every one of God's promises. It is the day of his victory, the day of his glory. It is the day of our ultimate salvation. And it is certainly coming. It is hastening on. And what we need to know, beloved, what we need to see in this passage is as we remember, as we look back, as we celebrate the day on which our Savior was born as a man, we know for certain that he is coming again to save us perfectly and forever. And we must wait eagerly. Now we've been looking at this passage over the past few weeks, and as you have noticed, this is a passage that is rich with theological treasures. <clears throat> if we could summarize this passage very simply, it would be this. We would say it like this, that the grace of God has appeared in the first appearing of the Son of God, in the birth of Jesus Christ, bringing salvation for all people. And the glory of God will appear in the second coming, the second appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he will consummate and fulfill the, our ultimate salvation. And because the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's mercy. Today is a day where we receive that, that salvation that he came to give us. And we look ahead with hope. We look ahead with hope, eagerly anticipating his second coming, where it will be finally and ultimately given to us the way that we intend. And so that grace of God, which has appeared, trains us to hope and to live in him in the present age. Now, last week we looked at this concept, we've started the concept of, of waiting, where we were in verse 13, we're going to be in the second part of verse 13 today, where last week we said, we focused on this, this, this uh, thing that we're trained to do, wait for our blessed hope, but today we're going to focus on the second part, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there's a, a bit of a, a mystery, a, a somewhat of a, a trouble that we have in properly interpreting this passage. And it comes down to a pesky little word, and. And. And it's not in our English Standard Versions, but if you had a more literal translation of uh, the Bible, uh, such as the New American Standard, you might see something like this. It says that the, the, the grace of God trains us to wait for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ours just says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we are trained to wait for something. We need to know exactly what we're waiting for. Is, is there two things that we're waiting for? We, we talked about this blessed hope as being the fulfillment of all of God's promises, that in Christ Jesus, by faith in Christ Jesus now, we are recipients. We do have now the promises that he has given to us. We do have salvation now. We do have holiness and purity now. We do have joy now. We don't have the fullness of it. We are awaiting the fullness of it. Our salvation is yet to come, and so we're waiting for that blessed hope. But the question is, is that blessed hope something separate 
from this appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ? Are they just, is that just the timing of this, or are they somehow related? Are they somehow one and the same thing? And we'll answer that question, but it's uh, not quite as straightforward as we might hope. Uh, there is a, a very important concept that is throughout God's Word that is sometimes difficult for us to understand. It's been something that's caused great conflict throughout the church, uh, throughout the ages, and that is the concept of distinction in the midst of perfect unity. Distinction in the midst of perfect unity. We see it in the triune Godhead. We worship one God. There is one, but one God only, and yet that one God is three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Father is not the Spirit. They are distinct, and yet they are perfectly one. Three and one, one and three. Where there's the person of Jesus Christ. He was one person, perfectly. And yet he had, he was fully God and fully man. Fully divine nature, fully human nature. Those were not confused. It was not one or the other. It was both. And one person, perfectly. Or we are told that the church is the body of Christ, that we are, we have union with him. He is the head, we are his body, his spirit dwells within us. And yet the church is not Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ is not the church. There's perfect unity, and yet there is distinction. And we see it in other ways, other other examples throughout Scripture, we see it in the sacraments, we see it in the union that we have as members in the church, we see it in, in the gift of marriage. And so we have this distinction, and so when we talk about the benefits of salvation, when we talk about joy, or holiness, or power, or all those things, those things are ours, those are benefits that are ours in Christ Jesus. We have those because we are in Him. We are participating in Him. And you have hopefully heard that, heard me say that. But we talk about salvation is in Christ Jesus through our union with Him. But it's a little bit more than that. It's, uh, it's, it's even greater than that. There is a wonderful truth that God's Word teaches us that is so amazing and so remarkable that to speak of it, it feels like we are on holy ground. It feels that if it were not for God's word declaring it to us as truth, we would dare not speak of it. And that truth is this. God's word says that through faith in Christ Jesus, we are partakers of the divine nature. That just as the Son of God, fully God, had the divine nature and came to take on the human nature, that by faith in Christ Jesus, we are united to him and we are partakers of his divine nature. This is what the Apostle Peter said. He said, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, 
so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Brothers and sisters, that is a mind-blowing statement. That we mere mortals would partake of the divine nature. Not simply his divine nature, because there is but one divine nature. There's one God, one true and living God. And the Son of God is very God, but very God. But by union with him, we are partakers of the divine nature. That is not to say that we become God, far from it. And yet we are partakers of that nature. And Jesus himself said this in John 17 as he was praying to the Father. He was praying for this very thing. He said, I do not pray for these only, these disciples with whom he was praying, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Beloved, that is what salvation is. Salvation in Jesus Christ is a participation in the divine nature. It is power because it is God's power that we are participating in. It is holiness because it is God's holiness that is now ours. It is righteousness because we are participating in God's righteousness, even Christ's righteousness. It is very much like the image that Jesus gave us of the vine and the branches. He is a vine, and as long as we are connected with him, his divine sap, his divine blood, flows through our veins as well. And that divine nature is a transforming glory and a transforming grace. But what we learn through God's word, what we have already heard, as we've reflected on this passage, is that what we have now is but the down payment. It is but the deposit. This union that we have with Christ, this participation in the divine nature, is true, and yet it is dim, and it is faint. And the Apostle John said, wrote this in 1 John. He said, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And beloved, this is the answer. This is how we reconcile these truths together. This is how the, the, our blessed hope is the appearance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are God's children now. Why are we God's children now? Because the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to all those who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God, children not born of blood, nor the will of man or of man, but born of God. We, by faith, are conceived by the Spirit, just as the Lord Jesus Christ was. And by faith, we have all the benefits of being the children of the living God. We have salvation now. We are partakers now. The Spirit is at work within us even now. And yet, we just have the foretaste. We just have the deposit, the down payment. 
We are not as we will be, because the great the glory of our great God has not yet appeared. But when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. His glory transforms us. And inasmuch as we can see and behold his glory, we have that transformative grace. We have that participation in salvation. And when he appears, our union will complete because we will behold his glory in majesty and we will see him for what he is. And beloved, this is real hope. This is a certainty. This is a fact for which we can count our lives on. And we know this because the grace of God has appeared. We can look to the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ as proof that he is coming again. Why? Because God promised. He promised. He gave his word that he was giving salvation. His eternal covenant was coming. And he proclaimed it by the prophets. And the people waited. And then the Son of God was born as a man. And they said, Behold, my eyes have seen your salvation. But God promised again. This time he promised by his own word that had made, been made flesh. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, proclaimed. He said, I am going away, but it is better for you because when I go away, I will send you my spirit. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. And he went away. And people waited, and the Spirit came. The Spirit came upon the church, and the Spirit gave us Christ dwelling within us. He gave us union with Christ, benefits of salvation, but not the fullness. But he's given us the hope of glory, which is Christ in us. If we have hope for his Return. If we have the joy of salvation, if we have the power to, to put aside the sins that have so entangled us and to live doing the righteous deeds that God has called us to do, we have that foretaste. If we have any knowledge of who Christ is, any worship, we have that foretaste. We have the hope of glory within us. But God also spoke again. By that same powerful word, the word made flesh, the Son of God, and now testified by the Spirit. The Son said, he who testifies to this thing says, surely I am coming soon. And as certain as God's promise was, which resulted in his first appearance, and as certain as God's promise was in Christ Jesus for the Spirit, that resulted in the coming of the Spirit, we can know without a doubt that He is certainly coming again. And when He comes, it will be the glorious consummation of every one of His promises. We will behold the Son of God in His glory, and we will become like Him, and we will have joy unspeakable. We will have Far more than we could ever ask or imagine, we will be swept up 
into his glory and have the union with him, the fullness of his love, and the consummation of all things forever and ever. So, beloved, we do not wait for the blessings of salvation or the blessings of glory apart from the appearance of Christ Jesus, but the <coughs> blessings and benefits of glory in our blessed hope are in him and a participation in him. And when he comes again, it will be ours for certain. To wait eagerly for this blessed hope is to wait eagerly for him. And when he, our great king, our great bridegroom, comes in him, we will experience the fullness of joy. Apart from him, there is no blessing. But we're in the present age. We're, we're waiting. What are we to do? Well, our passage has told us this over and over again. We heard it in our law passage. We're to watch and pray. We are to be ready and not grow weary. We are to prepare and to wait eagerly, for he is coming soon. And we've been told how to prepare. I'll give you three. Three ways we prepare. First is we prepare in purity. We prepare by purifying ourselves. Apostle John, after he had said, immediately after he had said, when Jesus comes, when he appears, we will become like him. He said, and, every, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What's he saying? He's saying that we have Christ Jesus now. We have the hope of glory even now. And we are being prepared for the purity of Christ Jesus forever and ever. And so let's purify ourselves now. Let's prepare for glory now. Let's enjoy this blessing of glory even now. Or as Paul said in our passage, we are trained to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. We prepare ourselves through purity, through repentance and confession. Secondly, we prepare in righteousness. Immediately after the Apostle Peter wrote that wonderful passage at the beginning of 2 Peter about uh, we're partakers of the divine nature, all these things that we have been given, he said, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, with steadfastness, godliness, with brotherly affection, with love, you are a partaker in the divine nature. You have Christ dwelling within you. Christ, the Son of God, the God who is love, working in you, the righteous one, the holy one. Put it into practice. Put on Christ. Live with righteous deeds. Or, as Paul said in our passage, he said, we are trained to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives being zealous for good works. We're being prepared for an eternity, a glorious eternity where we are active in righteousness, zealous for good works, for the glory of God. And that spirit is at work within us now. So put it in practice and prepare. And beloved, it is in this way that Christ himself, our bridegroom, is preparing us for himself. He is preparing us. He is purifying us for himself. 
a people for his own possession. This is how he is preparing us in glory and splendor. The Apostle Paul put it a different way in 2 Corinthians. He says, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Beloved, that is the hope of the gospel. But God himself has lifted the veil so that we can behold the glory of Jesus Christ. And by beholding him, we are transformed into his image. And when he comes again, we will see him as he is, and we will be as we were intended to be. Beloved, do you know this hope of glory? Do you know the love of of Christ? Have you beheld his glory? Have you seen him for who he is? Have you allowed him his glory to transform you into his image? Beloved, he is coming soon. And when he comes, when his glory appears, we shall see him as he is. Now, beloved, when that day comes, that will be the day of days. The day whose glory outshines every other day. Not coming in the dark of night with the dim light of the stars, but in the fullness of the brilliance of the glory of God. Not a silent night, but a night where the trumpet resounds and the Lord descends in glory. Not a night where shepherds must rush to see an infant lying in a manger, but where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming on the clouds and every eye shall see him. And it will be a glorious day, beloved. Glorious day for all who will put their faith and trust in Christ Jesus and are awaiting his return. As Paul said in our other part of our liturgy, he said, henceforth there is laid up for me and for you a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Beloved, have you loved his appearing? Have you longed for it? I assure you that what you have been aching for is that appearing. You're aching for that salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus, and it is coming soon, and we must wait for it eagerly. So yes, beloved, yes, celebrate today. Celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That was a marvelous and magnificent event. We look back to see the salvation of our God coming in Jesus Christ. But beloved, prepare now so that you can celebrate on that day. Because that day is coming soon. Because our Lord, Jesus Christ said, He who testifies to these things says, Surely, I am coming soon. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this glorious hope and this glorious promise. So, Lord, help us to live with hope, live by faith each and every day, longing for that glorious appearing. Oh, Jesus, come quickly soon that we might celebrate with you forever and ever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.